0: Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce this next guest. He is the founder and CEO of TenBound, which is an advisory firm focused and dedicated 100% to sales development, and he is the host of the Sales Development podcast. I call him the king of sales development himself, David Dulaney. Enjoy. They would say you are the king of sales development. You started your career um, in sales development at Glassdoor, um, and from there, it really, you know, took off. Talk about the you know those early days at Glassdoor and what you know what has that early days of being there helped you you know with TenBound
1: yeah man it's funny because i was selling um sales training for a number of years before that but i had always wanted to get into the tech industry so when i when i started at glassdoor they were just starting to go to market and everyone was selling everything basically and doing the the whole round so everyone was doing sdr work they were doing account executive work and even customer success and um, Right around that time, predictable revenue came out, right, and that was like the, the, you know, seminal work of of what we do. So Aaron Ross uh, came out with that, and a lot of I noticed a lot of companies were starting sales development teams. So I just pitched, um, you know, to the boss at the time, uh, hey, let's let's uh, start a sales development team, see how it goes, and and uh, you know, see what we can learn from it, and. Yeah, we, we started it. It started to go really well. And, um, that you know, now, you know, Glassdoor is <clears throat> doing really well as a company and they still have a pretty big SDR team. So, you know, after that, did a few more manager director roles at different sales development programs. And then about four years ago, started TenBound as, as a way to, you know, really unify that industry. I, I didn't feel like there was one center of the sales development industry to bring together you know, all the tools and resources and, and advice, you know, that we have out there kind of center
0: it in um, starting 10-back. Yeah, I love that. And obviously, um, you've done a lot with the Sales of Limit podcast. What are some of the biggest challenges facing an SDR right now? And why do you think still it's looked at at an entry-level role when it, when it shouldn't be? And there's so many lessons that you learn being an SDR.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I I completely agree. I I think that I mean, obviously, you know, (laughs) that's what we do. But I I think it should be considered a very strategic position because really, if you think about it, um, you've got marketing at the top of the funnel who's creating awareness and they're building the brand and they're creating a lot of leads. And then you have the sales team, um, which, you know, is expected to follow up on the leads. And, and close the deals and really make sure that you get the, the contract signed. And if, if you don't have a strong connection between those two, a lot of stuff's going to fall through the cracks. And and that's why a lot of companies are building sales development teams and, and they're, they're considering it really important, but they kind of stop there. They just stick people in the role and expect them to figure it out. And I, I think that's That's one of the toughest positions, especially if you're getting into a sales development um, rep position right now, and the company is just still kind of trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. And they got a couple of tools and stuff, and you might even have a manager, but you're just like, there's not a lot of format here, you know, and there's not a lot of structure. So getting into that situation can be kind of hairy for an SDR and, um, you know, it's kind of a sink or swim, like either you figure it out or you're like, this isn't for me and you go try to do something else. So I think that's, that's one of the main challenges is just not having a lot of structure and asking people to just figure it out as they go.
0: Yeah. And you touched on that part, being able to figure it out. So where's the balance between leaning on whether it's an SDR team lead um, whether it's AEs and also the SDR manager, how much of an importance is it for SDRs to ask the right questions and at the right time so they're not being, I guess, pesky, but they're able to ask the managers and the team leads and AEs, being able to ask them strategies, but also being able to execute on that um, so they're essentially not a deer in headlights.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, okay. So, so this is a little bit contrarian and, and this is just from being around (laughs) for a while and, and seeing, you know, how things actually work. And I I would say for SDRs going in, you're on your own. I mean, I I would take it from a very entrepreneurial perspective. Like say you, you start a company and you have no investments, no, no contacts, no resources. And you just have to start it up, like bootstrap it from the ground. And, and the, the way that you start a company like that is you just got to figure it out as you go every day yourself. You know, it's all on you. And, and the, the great ones can bootstrap and, and build a, a solid company. And I would look at it the same way as an SDR. Like, like any support that you get, if you get any support from anybody, it's just icing on the cake really what it takes is, and and this is a really hard thing to ask somebody who, if you just graduated from college, you don't know anything about business. You don't know anything about the industry that you're in. (laughs) Hey, just figure it out. But really, I mean, you have to be scrappy. You have to be entrepreneurial. You have to uh, be able to just go out, find resources, find the learning and learn enough to be able to get it done. And then Hopefully somebody will give you some training or coaching, but I really wouldn't rely on that. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. And talk about the process, whether that's um, SGRs doing inbound, outbound. Talk about the difficulties with certain processes and talk about that scrappiness where it doesn't matter what territory you're in. It doesn't matter what or what industry you're calling into. You have to be able to try to be consistent in a quota uh, regardless of the process.
1: Yeah, 100%. And and so, you know, that's another thing is th- here's a little <laughs> secret of, of this dirty secret of the sales development world. A lot of the managers and, and people upstairs, they don't know how to make a quota for sales development. So they just kind of make up something that they think will be a stretch goal and, and and yet doable by the team. But they a lot of times they really don't know. So, so the chips are kind of stacked against you when you start as an SDR because somebody made up this number and they're just hoping that you can hit it because it'll help them to build their pipeline, and and so you got to look at it from the point of, um, hey, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can to make this and and go down fighting because that that's basically it's like the never say die attitude. Like <laughs> I gotta I gotta somehow hit this number that somebody made up and gave to me, and and do everything that you can to do that. So. From a process perspective, it's it's like first and foremost, learn as much as you can on your own. Learn about the, the industry that you're calling, learn about the vocabulary, learn about the people. Um, try to bridge that gap as much as you can and try to get inside their head a little bit so that you're not just a pesky, you know, annoying caller. You're actually somebody who can actually <laughs> add some value, then you know you know what you're talking about when you call. And then try a bunch of stuff, Um, you know, increase your own personal activity to the point where you're, you're doing more than anybody else on the team, because a lot of it is like just experimentation, see what works and what doesn't. And, um, and then, and then, you know, keep, keep experimenting. So you find more and more things that work. And the only way to do that is to try a lot of stuff. The last quick thing is um, to think about, that people are getting, you know, their prospects are getting so many messages right now that only, (laughs) only a small percentage are actually going to get through. I mean, you have to be, especially if you're doing outbound, like it's got to be the right message at the right time with a, a pain point that they're actually suffering from at the moment before they'll take your call. And that's such a small percentage of the people out there. So, so it's like activity has to be really, really high because, 90 to 95 percent of the stuff that you send out it they're just going to ignore because they're just not in the window right now of trying to solve that.
0: Yeah, for sure and talk about the multi-layered approach, uh, whether it's obviously the phone the phone's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I think anybody in sales development um, understands that and the phone is obviously the first tool that uh, you know SDRs BDRs use on a daily basis but talk about the power of social, uh, the power of emails and that multi-channeled approach when it comes to uh, reaching out to prospect leads, etc.
1: Yeah. So it, it's like what we were just talking about. So when you're going outbound, uh, you, you have to hit them at the right time. You know, you've got to, <laughs> you've got to come at them with a message that says like, Oh, I, I just happen to be solving that problem right now. And I do need some help. Right. So it's like any way that you can reach people, you've got to be able to hit them at that right time. So whether it's, LinkedIn, um, other social networks, calling them up, uh, sending them an email, all those different channels, those really just become like, which one's working the best. And, and if you start to see glimmers of hope that you're getting more responses, then double down, you know, on that channel. Um, and with inbound, it's a little bit different, right? Because really, then it becomes like a, like a, a game of, can you contact them enough to so they remember, you know, downloading a white paper or, or whatever they <laughs> did. Um, if they, w- will they remember that, you know, for five seconds and let you, you know, get them on the phone and, and chat with them? So with inbound, it's more like, can you keep calling them or emailing them or contacting them until you get some kind of response back? Because they did something to, to contact you. So you've got a lot more leeway there with them, I think.
0: Exactly, and and talk about the balance of inbound and outbound, and is there, um, you know, a balance between the two, or is there a possibility that having both is vital within sales development?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the best best in class sales development programs, the big the big boys, the big ones, <laughs> uh, <be> more <laughs> yeah. you know, politically correct, like the the big the big programs out there have. They, they have it separated by inbound and outbound. It's just a best practice because if you think about it, the, the motion mm-hmm. is a lot different and, and going, you know, following up on inbound leads and like nurturing people through the process that they started is a totally different, you know, even personality type than somebody who's straight outbound mm-hmm. and has to go out and talk to strangers all day. <laughs> I mean, you, like if you put somebody like, I always recommend as soon as you can, obviously a small, tiny company, like they don't have enough inbound leads to do this. But as soon as you can, separate the two positions and have people be laser focused on either inbound or outbound. Um, you know, if you have to do both, you're always going to gravitate toward inbound. And, and it's just, of course, wouldn't you rather talk to people that you attracted <laughs> than people that, you're, that you could potentially be bothering? Um, You know, so I would say monitor your energy level through the day and knock out the hardest part first, you know, do do your outbound calls to get it out of the way, like at a certain point during the day and then save your inbound for later, you know, in the afternoon when you're starting to get uh, tired.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, you know, key there, um, because talk about the the tools and resources that we have as SDRs, as BDRs, where do you see that evolving? And where is the balancing act between all these amazing tools? Um, obviously you have been a proponent of sending, uh, you know, the graphic out on uh, multiple occasions. And, you know, how does that, where do you see that evolving? um so it doesn't eliminate you know or, or get too chaotic um that we're you know it the tools don't necessarily um, eliminate, you know, the science and the psychology of our sales it's development. So true. World.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the the, the <laughs> you're talking about the ten bound market map. So we basically, <laughs> yeah. now <out>, it's ridiculous. <laughs> like we we saw we saw market maps for different industries, and we were like, okay, we don't have one specifically for the SDR world. So we set out to do that a couple years ago, and the first one was like, you know, it had sales loft outreach, Humanfo, like five <laughs> companies. Now, now, I mean, you know, it's just being being in the center of the industry. Like, I every day someone comes along, they're like, hey, we just invented something that's going to revolutionize this SDR world, right? And I'm like, hey, look, <laughs> put it in the – we have a directory at 10bound.com. Put it in the directory and get it in there, and we'll get it on the next map. But to your point, like, the, there's so many tools and, and services. Uh, services, too. I mean, people don't even think about, like – there's a whole universe of outsourced SDR companies that will build lists, they'll <laughs> make calls for you, they'll do all the grunt work, you know, so you can focus on just talking to, you know, prospects and stuff. So there's there's all these companies, but to your point, it's like, where are we going with all this, you know? I think there's there's two trends big time that you'll see is, you know, now that we've got this economic crisis, um, if the the stronger, it's like pure Darwinian, darwinianism you know the stronger (laughs) ones will continue to get stronger their their products will grow they'll get more customers you know they'll it'll just emerge there'll be like a handful of one or two three companies from each of the quadrants and then eventually some of the those companies will start to eat up the other quadrants i mean i I could definitely see that happening so that should simplify (laughs) it a little bit the other thing that's really interesting that we always say to people is, as soon as you've got like three or four or five SDRs, instead of hiring one more SDR, hire a really good revenue operations specialist. Um, So not just sales ops, not just marketing ops, um, somebody who can look at the whole customer journey and like tie all the systems together and make it easier for SDRs to just um, be able to, you know, call people and have those tough conversations which is actually the toughest part of the job instead of right now where, you know, not only do the SDRs have a bunch of tools that the company bought for them, but they probably went over to AppSumo and bought like five different tools that they didn't tell anybody about, right? That they're using. So they've got like 10 different tools and it just becomes totally overwhelming. So I think the the future is having somebody who instead of just hiring one more SDR, get a revenue operations specialist who ties all things together, simplifies it, and makes it easier for the SDRs to hit their number.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I couldn't say any better. And, and talk about the path and the journey for SDR to that next um, position. Obviously there's no um, obviously um, straight arrow, if you will, um, whether that SDR wants to be an AE, whether you want to be cross-functioner and transition into a, another role. Where do you see the ones, you know, that want to make that next step to an AE or when do you think they, like, when's the turning point, whether it's an AE or a different department, when do you, when do you know, like, hey, it's time to make that transition? Yeah, it's
1: interesting because, you know, if you're out there and you're like thinking about becoming an SDR, you're in a company. Um, you know, at some of the bigger companies that have very established SDR departments, and then they have like a career path all laid out. I mean, those are great because you get in there, you do a terrific job as an SDR. And then it's almost like the sky's the limit. You know, once you're ready, you can become (laughs) an AE, or you can get into marketing, revenue operations, you know, product, like there's all these different positions. And it's almost like, the SDR role is just sort of a training ground for all these different things that you could potentially do. Um, and so, you know, that, like if I rewind like 20 years, I mean, it, it's an awesome opportunity if you can get your foot in the door at one of those companies as an SDR, because it's kind of like the sky's the limit, you know, if the company's doing well now that might not work. If you're more of a scrappy, you know, entrepreneurial type who wants to figure things out The the, And you don't want to just be told what to do. Like, here's the exact playbook, do this, and you'll be successful. If you're a little bit more on the, you know, entrepreneurial side, then, you know, if you go to a, a more of a startup company, then you're going to be creating the playbook, you're going to be creating the game plan, you're going to be like, doing 10 other jobs beyond just the SDR job, and that might lead into something. So that's exciting. Where, where it's kind of tricky is between those two paths, because at some companies, they'll say anything to get you in as an SDR, right? Because they need to, they need to <laughs> fill the position. But then you go in and you realize like, hey, there's no path here. You know, there's, there's nothing between being an SDR and being a field salesperson that has 20 years experience. And, and then you go to them and go, hey, I want to get into marketing. And they're like, no, dude, we hired you to be an SDR. Like go back there and make calls, right? So that that I see people just get super, you know, upset all the time, um, you know, in this industry because there's nothing there. So you gotta be careful about that before you take the job, you know, ask questions, make sure you suss that out. So really quickly though, to your question, um, I just go off on tangents, but to your question, <laughs> when, you, when you're ready, I mean, I think that if you've if if you if you been in SDR for a while and the, the sales reps that you work with want to mentor you and like take you under your wing, you know, and you want to become a sales rep, start sitting in on calls, you know, or getting the call recording or even, you know, some companies have like Gong and, and Chorus. You can, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, dude, it's an I amazing love training thing, right? Because it's all... <laughs> it's all training. Right. And so once you start to do that, then maybe they'll be like, Hey, let me run a call. You know, let me, you got to like step up, like, let me run a call. Let me try to close this. Let, Let me talk to these people. And, uh, there you go. You know, eventually if, if you're starting to show that you could do it and you've been doing well as an SDR and you've been around for a while, um, you know, you might have a great shot.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, a lot of key takeaways there. Um, when So let's say I have a team of, you know, 10 SDRs, and, you know, you're always going to have those ones that are naturally just killing it every month, uh, month after month. There's always going to be the, that natural talent, obviously. Um, but talk about the, the ones, the middle of the pack, where they might be a little bit behind, um, but they're, you know, they want to be, they want to be top performers. And what do you think they can turn the, the corner and make sure that they're chasing that top? Performer yeah. I mean, month?
1: so it, it's interesting because everybody's really good at something you probably only have like two or three things, you know, that you're really good <laughs> at and we're mediocre at, you know, 98% of everything else. Right. And so, you know there, one thing to think about if you're that if you really like want to look at it from a contrarian perspective is say you have a team of people there's some people that are just crushing it and others that you you know it's just it's not a natural fit for what they're doing they got to be good at something right so it could be that that they can add value to the team in other ways like if they're a really good writer One of the hardest things to do is just write copy for sales development, like write the cadences and write the (laughs) script and the the playbook. And like there's a lot of writing involved. And so if you've got a bunch of like, uh, you know, ex-jocks from the local state school, like nobody's going to be good at it. (laughs) Right. So maybe you could plug that person in there or maybe somebody turned out that they're very introverted and, and and they really don't like talking to people, but they're really good at Salesforce and they're really good at outreach and they're really good at, at making everything hum, you know, maybe you can reposition them and to be like the operations person who's going to add value in that way. So, you know, be- before you're just like, Oh man, I got to cut like uh, all these, <laughs> all these people, cause they're no good. Wait a minute. Let me, let's make sure that there, there could be some role where we kind of, redo the structure of the team to make it stronger as a whole, right? Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, so you want to, you want to try to get your B players to be more like your A players, right? So, so we got to, first of all, document what the A players are doing and then and, and nobody wants to do that because it's a pain in the neck, right? But you got to listen to the <laughs> gong calls. You got to watch them during the day. You got to see what emails they're writing and try to glean out some of the stuff that they're doing and then go back and train the B players on those motions and see if you can get the conversion rates up by sharing that a little bit. Um, You know, that's another way that, that might work. So, you know, be creative.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, You gotta be creative. You gotta want it. And also like, month after month if if you might not be getting meetings or or things aren't going your way you gotta have a short memory and try to get the you know have a short memory and keep you after it right i
1: mean it's all the past right the past is just learning (laughs) (laughs) learning experience all you got is right now so it's like if somebody's out there and you've been in a slump for a while i mean it's easy like you're working from home and you can't go out you can't go to games you can't go hang out with your friends it's a tough time right now and if you're in a slump um, you know, hey, tomorrow's a new day. Get up, you know, refresh, shake off, try some new stuff, try to get stay motivated and, and, and you know, start experimenting again, because uh, it's super easy to get in a slump in the job for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. And talk about, you know, the most rewarding part of, you know, being in STR, being in sales development. And what should newcomers to the industry and the role think about before entering the industry, yeah, and I mean, entering the role?
1: You know, it's it sounds funny, but it's like this is one of the toughest jobs that you'll have throughout your career, right? Especially if you're going outbound. So, so the the skills <laughs> that you're learning will be so applicable because everything else will be a lot easier for the rest of your career if you do this for two or three years. Um, and really think about it that way. I mean, you're building a muscle to be able to communicate with people clearly um, you know, and effectively and be able to motivate yourself and get better every day um, doing something that, that is really, really difficult. So if you come in and you really look at it as like an educational experience that you're going to do for a few years and, and, and use that time to, to um, you know, increase the effectiveness of your communication – And, you you know, the sky's the limit, because if you can do this, you can do anything in, like, an office environment. Um, You know, the other thing is, if you're coming into it, and say you just got a job, you know, and you're going to be selling, you know, cybersecurity solutions, um, if there's one piece of advice that I could give SDRs is go find all the best resources for that industry that you're going to be calling. And like I mentioned before, um, find out everything that you can possibly – learn about the cybersecurity industry, the vocabulary, the blogs, the conferences, go on YouTube, watch the keynote speakers, like just sort of start to familiarize yourself, take somebody in the, that industry out to lunch and ask them, Hey, what's a day in the life for you? You know, what, what do you, what are you, what are you trying to solve? Right. And, and try to learn as much as you can from, from, from them um, because that'll really set, set you apart from your peers. You're, and, you know, the, the skills of, like, cold calling and opening a conversation and, and objection handling can come later. First and foremost, you've got to be able to speak the language of the people that you're communicating with. Otherwise, they're just going to hang up on you I- immediately. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's a lifelong. I mean, especially, yeah, so you just got a job and you're going to be an SDR calling into the cybersecurity industry. If you want to, like if you're really into cybersecurity, that could be your whole career for the next like 10, 20 years. You could become an SDR and then start selling into that industry, become a sales manager. Hey, not one minute is going to be wasted if you learn about cybersecurity. Um, So dive in. You know, and then, you know, hey, in five years, if you're like, I hate cybersecurity, I'm going to go <laughs> sell something else. Hey, it was never wasted. I mean, at least now, you know, a lot about cybersecurity. Right. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that's huge. I think especially cybersecurity, IT, SaaS, um, that's definitely where a lot of the opportunities are. Um, and I mean, I would not have never gotten my uh, feet wet sales of sales if it wasn't for, uh, you know, my technology and my first company. And then, um, as you mentioned, you know, currently I'm at a startup in cybersecurity. And yeah, it's it's really phenomenal to see, you know, I didn't have, I was selling gym memberships. <laughs> and then I got into the SDR role. And a lot of times the SaaS world, is where the, the sales 100%. development opportunity I mean, and, comes from. And
1: you know that's a, that another thing. It's like you're probably, I mean, you're probably more into sports and fitness and like the whole industry of of you know the gym. I'm just you know I'm extrapolating, but you know that's probably more interesting to you than cybersecurity. <laughs> but um, you know you could go from making twenty bucks an hour selling gym memberships to a hundred bucks an hour plus selling cybersecurity. So if you look at it that way, maybe cybersecurity is pretty, pretty exactly. <laughs> interesting and I can get into it and then maybe something will spark. Maybe not, but maybe something will spark and hey, um, it's very lucrative for you and it's interesting. So yeah, you just got to try.
0: Yeah, I love it. I mean, I love that. I think, um, and talk about the the gap still with people not aware Of sales development. Obviously, you've done a great job of, you know, your podcast providing quality content um, for those future SDRs, BDRs. But what do you see um, the gap still existing and, and why do you think it still exists with people still not aware of what yeah, sales I mean, development you know, is? It
1: came up in the in the SaaS industry. So it, it just especially Salesforce dot com. Right. That was I mentioned predictable revenue by Aaron Ross. Uh, <laughs> you know, he he documented his process of starting the sales development team. And, you know, all the all the not all, but a lot of the other software as a service companies saw that and they're like, dude, Salesforce is rocketing. We have to start up a SDR team too, so that we could replicate that. But you know, other industries have not uh, necessarily embraced the the, the practice, um, and I I don't know why. I mean, I think that they will eventually when they when they see the success that software as a service is having with this model. Um, and, and, you know, maybe they just aren't aware of it. I mean, uh, they, they have a salesperson and they go, well, obviously a salesperson's job is to follow up on the inbound leads, to go outbound, close deals, you know, take care of the customer, but Hey, I mean, you got to get hip, man. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's 2020, um, you know, this is, this is, it's just, you have to specialize because it's a completely different job, you know? I mean, I, I wouldn't want the surgeon, you know, to be like, you know, come in and, and, and clean up the floor and like sweep the floor and prepare all the instruments and then do the surgery and then, you know, uh, all that stuff. So you, you have to look at it the same way with, with um, specializing the positions. And so I think they'll come around uh, but I don't know. It's it's phenomenal. Like we, we started this company four years ago and I looked at our client list, um, you know, a couple hundred clients and like essentially 80 percent or 90 percent are in SaaS. Um, so the, and very few companies. from wow. that of, <laughs> Even, you know, the tech industry. So it's 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 interesting.
0: Yeah, um, for sure, and just you know ways to close that gap. I mean, when I graduated college, I graduated in twenty eighteen, and I, I didn't know what sales development was until I mean, just looking online, it started to come more and more. And obviously, listening to your podcast um, was a great resource. Is, you know continued to be a great resource, and. Why do you think? Obviously, um, colleges and and career um, services—they won't have all the answers, but why do you think they aren't able to provide um, that as like an option for like business students or or in you know recent grads as well from like the college side of
1: things? That's a great question. I mean, you (laughs) know, LinkedIn came out. I I think it was (laughs) this year or last year, and it's it's probably like the fifth or sixth. Uh, most, uh, you know, high-growing position that's being posted on LinkedIn, you know, job board is an SDR, you know? So there's thousands of these positions open. Um, they're an amazing um, entree point to the tech industry. Um, you know, Mark Andreessen of Andreessen Horwich, tech is, is uh, eating the world. I mean, everything's becoming a tech company. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially after, you um, <laughs> you know, COVID-19, like more and more companies are realizing, hey, we got, we have to do everything online. Now, people can't leave their house, right? So, we, it, more companies are becoming tech tech uh, centered. And, um, you know, colleges are, are crazy not to have, uh, you know, specific coursework that leads into becoming an SDR. You know, it's nuts. Um, and, and so, a few things have happened. One is, you um, you know, there's there's more and more co- uh, colleges that offer a, a certificate in sales, and there's a thing called the Sales Education Foundation, which certifies, mm. you know, colleges to offer this, um, and those are springing up. There's also a bunch of boot camps that are springing up that basically act as sort of a middle person between uh, the, the, the um, graduates and the companies, and they act as like an SDR boot camp. Yeah, you're probably aware of those. Yeah. So, SV Academy, yeah. SV, SV Academy. always hired. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So you'll see more of those pop up because there's a huge demand. Um, but I think the root of it, man, is that because it's sales, you know, there's still this this stereotype of a sleazy <laughs> used car salesman. <laughs> and nobody ever goes, oh, I, I'm so proud. You know, my son is a salesman you know, or something like that. You know, it's, it's, he's a doctor, (laughs) he's a lawyer, you know, he's a a account, even an accountant, you know, is uh, no offense, but, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was, I I was in business school. The
1: the business (laughs) schools are just now in 2020, they're starting to have like a professional selling skills, you know, course load and stuff like that. But it's insane. It's like, there's this huge demand for people, number fifth, fifth or sixth, you know, uh, most posted position on LinkedIn. There's all these people coming out of college who, you know, have liberal arts majors. They have no idea what they want to do. They have a huge debt that they have to pay back to the college and the government. And <laughs> yeah. we're not preparing them for a job where they could walk in and make 75000 85000 you know, a really good, solid Uh, salary with benefits and everything. Uh, So anyways, that's my soapbox. So, I mean, the good news is, (laughs) the good news is that, uh, you know, you have those professional, you know, sales certifications bringing up at colleges and you have the boot camps. And so hopefully the graduates will become smart enough since their colleges aren't steering them to this, that they'll go on to LinkedIn. They'll see all these open opportunities, find the boot camps, and, uh, and get some education in this, in this field.
0: Yeah, for sure. And talk about, I mean, obviously, right now um, with the pandemic, uh, things are, you know, crazy and, and a lot of SDRs are being laid off, um, you know, and, and trying to find that next opportunity. And you mentioned like SDRs, they are in high demand. Uh, talk about the gap and trying to fill those spots, um, you know especially during this environment where a lot of companies are yeah I mean uh, almost so completely that's always remote. A tough
1: position right and, and it's like how do you how do you stand out in, the, in that process? <laughs> and you know one thing is to uh, try to treat it as an SDR job when you're looking for an SDR job. So try to find out who the decision maker is and the hiring manager. And just go straight to them and, and um let them know what you've been doing and what you know what happened and why you're you're looking and the value that, that you could add. Because if you if you spend all your time applying to um, you know the job boards and and the and God love them, I mean, the recruiters and stuff, they're basically Uh, set up to screen out, you know, (laughs) 99% of the people that come in, right? So go straight to the source. Use your SDR, (laughs) you know, talent to go straight to the source and, and plead your case. The other thing is for God's sake, do your homework, you know? Um, and, and I know that it's tough because if you've got like 10 <laughs> interviews set up on one day and one's a cybersecurity company, one's a marketing automation company, one's a copier company, you know, it's hard to keep, like, who are all these people? I and mean, it's hard to keep track, right? But, you, you know, the that might be your perspective to say, I've got 10 different interviews in 10 different industries and I, I just can't do my homework on all these. But from the person's perspective that you're talking to, all that they're thinking about is the cybersecurity industry and stuff like that. So you've got to be able to come in and be like, hey, I know your industry. Um, I know some of the vocabulary. I know some of the pain points. And here's exactly how I'm going to help you reach your goals. You know, that, that you'll you'll really set yourself apart from a bunch of the other people that come in and they're just like. Literally, like I, I, I've I've hired and interviewed hundreds of SDRs, and people come in, and you can tell almost immediately that you're like the fifth company that they've interviewed at that day. (laughs) And they're just like, "So what do you do?" And I'm like, "Dude, get out of (laughs) here." You know what I mean?
0: Oh my god, that's the worst. Yeah, I mean, that that's true. I mean, obviously, um, during the hiring process, when people are looking for jobs, you got to be able to time management. And if you can't even time manage during the interview process, then that just goes to show well, you might not do, be the right fit like a for a company. And
1: When we started this crisis, like going into this crisis, it was a total buyer's market, right? So it was like if you're a candidate um, you know, looking for a job as an SDR, you could probably get – three or four offers, you know, within the first couple months that you're looking because there's so many companies needed SDRs and they were just, sure, we'll take it. <laughs> Come on in. Right. But then it did a total 186 months ago, whereas now you're competing against like probably 20 or 30 other people. You know, if you even get to the interview stage and they can be super selective Cause there's so much talent out there on the market. So you got to figure out a way to stand out among the crowd and, you know, working the, going straight to the hiring manager, getting in touch with them and go and, and, and doing your homework and being able to talk intelligently, that will set you apart from a lot of the other people that are interviewing. Yeah, I love it.
0: And, and culture is important Talk about the culture uh, within the environment uh, for SDRs, uh, whether it's their uh, first role or they're looking for a new opportunity, that next, that next SDR role. How important is, it, is culture and how important is it for the SDR uh, to get that right um, if they want to progress yeah, so uh, in their and, and sales profession? The
1: thing is it's, it's almost impossible to figure out the culture from the outside um, you know, when you're coming in cold, like if you don't know anybody in the company <laughs> and, and you're just trying to get in, you know, um, you have no idea what's on the other side of the door. They, they they'll say anything, you know, if they like you to get you in. Right. And then then you then once you're in, you're like, uh oh, or you're like, this is awesome. You know, this is a great culture, you know. Um, so if, if there's anything <laughs> yeah. that you can do before <laughs> you start to try to talk to people within the company. And um, especially if you know somebody you could, who's, you know, they can open up a little bit and be honest with you. If they're like, dude, this is toxic. Like nobody helps each other. It's, it's backstabbing. You know, it's totally political. Just run. <laughs> like run away as fast as you can because you don't want to be in that environment. <laughs> On the flip side. Um, and, you know, the review sites and stuff, a lot of those, they just have the HR team go on there and write like five-star reviews and stuff. So those are hard to trust. Um, you know, I read the one-star reviews. <laughs> those are usually a little bit closer to what's actually going on. Uh, but hey, I mean, if, if you can get some inside intel and they're like, this is, this is amazing. Like it's super supportive. The quotas are doable. You get a lot of training. You know, that's definitely going to be a, a great culture. So you should look into that one a little bit more if you can.
0: yeah uh for sure and how important is it you know from a, a culture piece to make sure that you come in there the culture is amazing and then you're able to execute you know whether that's being able to test in with things and just from a perspective of making sure you're executing on a consistent basis What are some key strategies to be consistent? Because obviously, month after month, goals can change. Goals will go up, go down, what have you. Um, but how do you make sure you stay consistent month after month?
1: Like diet, <laughs> diet, exercise, you know, <laughs> um, you said you were going to write yeah. your journal every day, but you haven't picked it up in three years. Um, you know, it's it's like anything else. I mean, some, some people are super <laughs> disciplined. And and um, I think, you know, if, if you're more of the discipline type, then, you know, um, make your list of key critical activities and knock them out first thing in the day. Uh, Brian Tracy, uh, who's an old school motivational guy, uh, it wrote a book called Eat That Frog. And basically, it was like, yeah, it's like, take your worst thing on the to-do <laughs> list that you hate to do the most, but it's probably going to add the most value and just eat it, you know, it's like do it right first thing in the morning, rest of the day is going to be great. Um, and and then you know if it's if it's like you you know you find yourself it's 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 hard to stay consistent it's hard to stay disciplined Um, you know look at your energy level through the day like when when do you have the most energy when when is your when are you really on like like is it first thing in the morning is it later in the afternoon Um, and try to find that time and really bunch up those hardest activities. Like we're talking about the outbound, like try to bunch up those hardest activities when you have the most energy and get them done day after day. It's, it's, you gotta, it's not like you have to eat an apple a day, right. In order to have a good, healthy lifestyle. It's not, you can't like cram down seven apples on Friday and, and hope for the best, which is what people usually do. And that's how they drop off the consistency. So You got to just knock it out every day, day in or day out, no matter how you're feeling and then save the easier stuff for you to when, you know, you don't have as much energy. So easier said than done, you know?
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love it. Um, Obviously the balance of the consistency is also, um, you know, hitting quota, but there's also a learning process. Obviously Coming in first month, maybe two months, uh, you might not have a quota. So, from that perspective, from an SDR's point of view, when do you? How long do you think it takes for them to ramp? And then from then on, after the ramp time, yeah, the next so, ninety I mean, days, I, I what should that look at least like? A
1: couple of months, you know, um, and, and it's it, for me that's that's like the kind of the minimum. I mean, the first month a very small, if maybe a no quota whatsoever, but just like you're supposed to do some activities. Like you gotta check off all the boxes on the (laughs) training plan and meet with everybody and, you know, make a presentation or something like that. I mean, it's really just learning all the tools and what's available. Second month, it's like maybe a, a half quota and knowing that it's gonna be tough to hit, but at least now you do have a lay of the land and you should be able to get pretty close to that. And then third month, you're at full quota. Um, and, you know, that that's that's the thing. Is the quota realistic? I mean, you as an SDR, you really have no control over that. So you got to just go as hard as you can to try to hit it and talk <laughs> to everybody else on the team and see if they're hitting it. If everybody's missing it consistently, then that should look pretty bad on the side of the boss. Like they didn't do it right if everybody misses. Um, so they're pr- – they might, they might lower it or raise it or something like that. But um, I think by that third month, if you're doing a lot of self-education, if it's, uh, you know, if it's, if it's reasonable, what they're asking you, then hopefully you've hit your stride and you can start
0: to make your quota. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I love it. Um, Obviously you don't want to be coasting and just getting stuck in the mud and trying to get on the metrics because if you get lost in the numbers yeah um, definitely i mean you know, you're going to lose all the time
1: I mean, uh, cuz a lot of a lot of companies like they've got a dashboard set up and it's like you're supposed <laughs> to call 100 people a day send out 100 emails and set four appointments you know i mean that's that's like very aggressive but you know i mean that's what they expect and so you know that that's very demoralizing i think uh, (laughs) for sdrs like uh just you know it it, it's it just creates a lot of like junk behavior that that doesn't necessarily you know move the needle from a business perspective um and and so you know for me it's like you you need to definitely you've got to hit some activity level um I, i what that is, you you have to find it for yourself, we're hitting it consistently. Um, Maybe sometimes it's more (laughs) if you can't figure out what's going on, but maybe sometimes it's less if you hit something that actually is working. Um, And and so, you know, a lot of companies set that up because they're just like, what are they supposed to be doing? You know, this is an easy dashboard that I can see what people are doing, but I think it causes a lot of burnout on the part of the SDR, you know? Um, I, I think it would be better just to have it be a results-based dashboard and, and then let's go back and look at the activity. Because if you're just sitting there at home watching Netflix doing nothing, that's not good either, right? So there has to be some kind of balance there. Um, you know, so if you're not <laughs> hitting your number, it's like, okay, now we need to dig in like, and look at your activities. But just having this huge number of activities right there that you're supposed to be doing every day. I don't know. I mean, I, I it sounds like a burnout type of situation.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and talk about the the non-metric side. Obviously, whether you're an STR, whether you're an E, every salesperson has metrics. But talk about the importance and skills outside of that. Because I think sometimes, I um, mean, we talked about it. You know, the yeah. the dashboard. You know, always refreshing to see what's going on. Um, but talk about those those soft skills and the the psychology and science of sales. Yeah, I mean, How important is it important. to I hone know, on those as well?
1: we, we are especially because we're in the tech industry. And most SDRs are are in the SaaS you know industry, so we're very techie. We've got all these tools. We've got all these dashboards. Everything's Everything's online, you know, and it's like, I do <laughs> think that um, especially, um, you know, being on the other side, like being a buyer, you know, and, and doing sales calls like um, we, we definitely have lost the, the art of talking to people and like digging out, you know, discovery questions and, you know, digging out their pain points and really letting people have a conversation without necessarily some agenda or some uh, like slide deck that they're trying to get to um i i just i think that somehow with all the technology we've definitely lost the old school like sales skills that that i don't know i don't know if we ever had them (laughs) but it's it's like the demos that i take are are not (laughs) are not great um you know they're they're just um yeah yeah whatever like let me just show you this deck and all this stuff that we do that's totally irrelevant to like anything that you're trying to accomplish. And I'm like, dude, I got to sit on this for a half an hour. You know, it's like, this is such a waste of time, you know? So, so, you know, SDRs, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's quick communication. Like if you call somebody, you got to be able to just open up the, the conversation long enough to get them talking. And then hopefully, Um, have them sit down and take a take a call so you got to master that part but but beyond that it's it's like that's why i always say read about the industry like learn the vocabulary because you want to be able to have an intelligent conversation with somebody that's a prospect at some point where you can get them to open up and like really talk about what they're trying to do because then you'll be able to you know help them you know, and and that that could involve selling them a lot of your product, or it could involve just connecting them with somebody else. You know, so
0: yeah, yeah, I I love it, and and yeah, I mean that's huge. The industry knowledge is definitely a key piece that uh, definitely can't be shouldn't be overlooked. Um, and, and talk about the sales cycle. So, a lot of times, most of the time, the STR and BDrs. Um, what have you, are setting meetings for the AEs, essentially. But talk about, do you see uh, where in the near future where SDRs will be running meetings or also co-running meetings with AEs? So they would be setting their own meetings, and then the AE is going to be closing that, and it'll be more of a handoff yeah, instead I mean, of just I, I handing it, it off ways. right away I mean, to the. AE. So,
1: from the customer perspective, like you want to make it as seamless as possible for them to, you know, get into the pipeline and and and, and uh, <laughs> essentially to buy the product, right? And so, you know, one of the big developments that's happened in software over the last couple of years is like the freemium. And they call it, now they call it product-led growth, where it's like you can just jump on, start up something for free, start using it, and then eventually you bump up against a paywall to, to get all the goodies, you know, behind the scenes, right? And it's like Asana. Asana is a perfect example of that, like, you, <laughs> and they're... I think they're trying to go public right now, but you know, you, you go on there, you load up all your projects and stuff, and then you start to try to do something interesting. And it's like, Oh, sorry, dude, you have to subscribe now. So, so that that's, that's brilliant in that it it understands like you want to remove any friction from the buying process, make it super easy to get them into the funnel and then convert them to a customer. And so the, the, the thing you know, to your question, it's like, I've been through the process where first you talk to—I literally like—I know a company. I'm not going to say who it is, but you 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 do an inbound lead. Somebody calls you, they put you onto a call <laughs> with somebody else. They ask you a bunch of questions. They put you onto a call with somebody else. Now you've had to talk to three different people and ask uh, that answer all these like questions that they're obviously reading <laughs> on the script. And you're like, dude, you're killing me, man. I, I don't even know. Like, I haven't even gone in and looked at the product or anything yet. You're asking me all these questions. So that's that's the thing that I'd be a little bit concerned about, right? But um, I think that it, it, there's a great middle ground there in that you're doing all this work as an SDR, um, you know, and you're working really closely with your AE, and you, you bring in a, a meeting, and the AE is like, ah, eh, you know, this, this isn't necessarily one of our ideal accounts, like, this is kind of a lower level you know person hey why don't you go ahead and take this one and just take it as far as you can you know like here's the keys like go go for it you know and and record the call we'll, we'll go over it before and and, and um, let them let them try to you know see what they can do with it you know um i think that that's a great opportunity and then the person on the other end doesn't feel like they're being passed back and forth to all these different people um, they're still dealing actually with the same person who made the cold call to get them to take a meeting, you know, so that, that could be a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, I couldn't say any better. Um, and, and for those individuals who want to take the next step to an AE, how important is it to practice, um, you know, their, you know, practice with their deck? um so that you know if they get that next step um you know they're not like a dean helens because i remember at my previous company there was the sgr getting ready to be promoted and he had to um you know run it one through the deck a couple times uh, before making that final practice one so how imperative is it to a listen to those ae calls and your own demos that you set, um so that if you do want to make that transition you, you understand know, what they do, yeah. I mean, and, and that's you know, the thing, when like, they won that because demo. Because it's
1: very exhausting to be an SDR, and, and you <laughs> put in a good eight-hour day. Like the last thing you want to do is some homework. But I mean, if anybody saw that that um, Michael Jordan, you know, documentary, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, that that's that's the differentiator right there. I mean, that kind oh, of oh yeah, like <laughs> attitude of just like. I'm gonna do five thousand layups like every day or whatever it is. Um, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, on your own yeah. time, like <laughs> off the clock, like master the deck, master the vocabulary, get your pitch down ridiculously good, so that you're better than most of the AEs. Listen to all the calls, like, like you gotta have like a relentless work ethic to to stand out um, amongst the crowd because otherwise. You know, if you just try to kind of do it a little bit here and there and half-ass the, the thing, then they're going to know. I mean, everyone's going to know that, uh, they, you know, this is this is awful. Um, <laughs> you know, and the other thing is with sales, like, you know, anybody could be – this is probably why it's got a, like, bad reputation, but anybody could be a salesperson. I mean, you could go buy something right now, you know, and go out and sell it. You could sell Cutco knives. You can sell, you know, Avon. There's, like, a hundred different – you know, yeah. <laughs> right? multi-level marketing. Oh my so gosh, if, you're really, if you're really sitting there like, I want to oh get into gosh. sales, but you know, nobody will give me an opportunity. Dude, that is, that's the biggest crock. Like there's like 500 products that you could get right now and go out and sell if you really wanted to. So, so I don't know. I don't know what the point of that is, but it's like, if you really want to do this, Hey, there's a lot of opportunities. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you you can't just, you know, think I mean, some people can, but if you want to pass that final exam and cram everything in 24 hours, I, mean, I don't think that's, that's a good that, recipe for success. It's not a
1: knock <laughs> on anybody, but I, I think in any like it just in our society today, there's a lot of there's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of blame. You know, there's a lot of like lack of responsibility. And um, you know, I think that even at the highest level of uh, our society, you know, they they spend a lot of time like like, you know, blaming other people, and so it's <laughs> it's natural that you know a lot of people are sitting there going, hey, you know, nobody's training me, nobody's you know mentoring me, nobody's coaching me, like I don't have a chance, like I'm just gonna shrug my shoulders and like you know go find another company, but I mean, you know, like you could just flip it around and take full responsibility for your career and your life and everything that you do and um, and just block out all that other stuff and just go for it you know
0: yeah i love that david well yeah if definitely anybody it's you funny. know wants to get a hold so of you ten what's, bound, what's the best way to do that b o
1: u n d do not go especially for work don't go to 10 bound the number 10 bound <laughs> because Someone someone pointed that out to me the other day, and it is not safe for work at all. So, T- I know, it's it's horrible. There's so many. T and B. O-U-A-N-S. Oh, my gosh. content bound. Uh, yeah, we're happy to help with any of
0: this. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it, David. You are killing it. Uh, you know, providing content for you know, SDRs, it's phenomenal. You know, it's definitely a new industry for me, but I'm, I'm very lucky. Uh, I was hired, you know, during COVID. So, you know, very lucky for, you know, individuals Absolutely, like yourself Matt. who, I mean, you know, support the it's, SDR it's an world. Awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, especially when we were doing the live conferences, I mean, just to get, you know, all these people who you only see on LinkedIn, you know, um, like Sam from Outreach and, you know, that call yeah i know this, this all they are like i know it's great <laughs> little Sam Nelson, baby. just to be able to get everybody the blue together, hair. And it was our tribe man <laughs> it was our people and we, we did it virtually this year and it was very successful but um i'm i'm psyched to get that going live again and get you know a few hundred of us into the room and stuff like that so so hopefully we can do that again but in the meantime yeah Everything's on the website. It's ninety percent of it's free, and you know, it's it's um, it's. I hope it's helpful to people. So, yeah. So we we. Did, and how um, many conferences so for do the last you guys three hold? Each years we've year. done one big one in the fall in San Francisco, and then the plan for this year was to do two because um, they were you know we were they were pretty successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, you know, we just had to pivot both of those to virtual. So, you know, next year, depending on what happens, if we go virtual, you know, we'll probably do three or yeah. four, you know, because they're just, they're so much more scalable than the live ones. But uh, if we do live one, we'll probably just do uh, one, you know, at the kind of back half of 21. <laughs> dude i had it i had it all it yeah gotta all come out to the east we coast the, man <laughs> um, essex uh right <laughs> off of central park uh, beautiful hotel you know great great location a deposit was down nice was locked in and then you know what happened so um yeah. so hopefully we'll do that man i i hope so i love it out there
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah i've never I've, you know surprisingly i have never been in oh it's
1: it's horrible like, I mean, everything's on fire how, how, how is it out there right now
0: um yeah we got murder. <laughs> yeah, you Horn- got, what,
1: what else you got you know okay, i know you wrong, got m- murder
0: hornets <laughs> it's like we're what? waiting for
1: the big earthquake <laughs> to just knock the whole thing off the continental shelf and get <laughs> it. like um no it's it's all good man i mean 90 percent of it is just Media hype, but um,
0: it's all good <laughs> out here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I, right, David, I really appreciate yeah, you taking got it. the time this evening, and uh, yeah, man, uh, I really appreciate it.